0: For they were afraid. That's how the Gospel of Mark puts it succinctly. And that's actually how the Gospel of Mark ends. There's nothing else that comes after it. Doesn't matter which version of the Bible you read. There are verses that come after it, but they're always bracketed and basically are People weren't comfortable with that ending, so they added this. And sure enough, there's a good 12, 15 more verses that have been written and sort of globbed onto the end. But the earliest versions are all the same, it just ends with, They were afraid. We don't want that to be the ending, do we? We want it to be more like those moments that we see in the other Gospels where there's a tearful reunion with Peter on the beach at breakfast. We want to see Doubting Thomas. We want to see Mary Magdalene embracing Christ in the garden. But those are the other Gospels. All we have for Mark is they were afraid. They were afraid. Or honest, that's probably exactly the most truthful response just about anywhere there is. Their friend has been killed. They watched it happen. They put him in the tomb, and they come, and he's not there, and they are afraid. They aren't sure what to see. They aren't sure what to understand. There's no developed theology. There's no grand ideas of what comes next. They're just unsure, and they're terrified, and they are afraid. There's two ways we can look at that idea of fear in this moment. One is the logical side of us, any of us. I saw a friend die. I saw them put in a tomb, and now something even worse has happened. There's grave robbers. Something even worse has happened. They've taken him away and hidden him. Something even worse has happened Who knows what, who knows what any of this will be. It could just get worse. That's how we can leave them. With they are afraid, it can just stay in that place of uncertainty and unknowing, but expecting the worst, expecting the other shoe to fall. Then there's the other side of fear. There is that fear that something extraordinary has happened, but you can't quite wrap your head around it. There's something amazing that has occurred, but you just can't understand it. There's something that surpasses any logical understanding, and so you're just stuck trying to figure it out, and you're afraid because you don't want to believe it. or Even if you want to believe it, it's too good to be true, and so you're afraid on that side. They were afraid. there's another explanation even and it's really probably wrapped up in this night this night when we recall all of the redemption stories not all of them but a nice smattering of four there's actually what 11 readings that we could read we decided to shorten it for you believe it or not this is the short version of this service (laughs) no one ever believes that it can go on and on and on we just did four instead of the 11 readings But we got the highlights for you. The reminder that over and over again, God acts on our behalf. Over and over again, God breaks into creation and saves God's people. Over and over again, there is redemption. And over and over again, their response is likely fear and terror. After all the Red Sea parts, Israel walks through on dry land. And then they watch the most powerful army on the planet destroyed in an instant. Sure, they won, but I'm sure that was a terrifying sight at the same time. Something to rejoice and something to fear at the same breath. Abraham is relieved. He doesn't have to sacrifice his son. But he was still asked, and this moment still is there. And father and son are still unsure what the heck just happened. They're relieved, but there's fear. The same is true when Ezekiel basically tells Israel, you're going into exile, you will be defeated, but God will go with you. And they say, well, God will be with us, but we still have to be defeated. And even in Zephaniah, they're in exile and God says you can go home. But now you've got all the work to do once you get there. And that might actually be the key to the biggest fear of all. In theology, or at least in this idea of, of Easter, we, we have to face the fact that something huge has happened. Something that the Reverend Dr. Holmes, Urban Holmes, who was a great theologian and dean of seminary at Suwannee, once called this idea imaginative shock. That is, that we have things all sorts of figured out. All the things in the world are in our boxes and then something happens that upsets the apple cart and blows up everything we think we know. Everything. This is the sort of thing that he just uses to describe Easter, but he helps by giving some other explanations. That is, he gives ideas like, there's that moment with Paul on the road to Damascus. One day he is persecuting Christ, the next day, He's blind and realizing that something extraordinary has happened. There's a before and there's an after and they're not the same. He gives maybe even more helpful ones, ones that we might understand even more. There's the moments in the life of the world where Martin Luther nails 95 theses to the door and there's a before where there is one church and there's an after where there is a Protestant Reformation and everything has changed. There are moments... Where Rosa Parks refuses to go to the back of the bus and the world is again changed. These are moments he calls imaginative shocks. One where one day you think you got it all figured out and the next day you realize I've got nothing figured out and I've got to start all over again. Easter is just such a day. But there are countless days. In fact, all of our readings tonight are really those moments. Whether it's for Israel, for Abraham, for any of us. There is the moment before Easter where we think we've got it all figured out and the world makes certain sense and then there's everything after Easter where we have to start all over again because now even death is not certain. We have to look at these moments because here's the thing, we've gotten complacent in our faith. We think we've got it all figured out and if we're going to be truly Easter people, we have to realize that there is nothing that is too broad for God. Nothing too hard for God. Nothing impossible for God. If death doesn't have dominion, then nothing has dominion. We should be a people of imagination and joy and hope because anything can be done. Anything. And that's the scariest part of all, isn't it? Not that we've got it all figured out, but now suddenly we've got to figure it all out Totally anew, and be open to the new. Here's the hard part of the salvation stories—the part that we don't preach or teach enough about enough. That is, we love to have those moments. Here's the Red Sea moment: Israel comes on the other side; Egypt is wiped out; the people are free. That's the imaginative shock. That's the moment where everything is changed, but. Guess what? Israel then had 40 years of work to do. 40 years to figure out who they were wandering in the desert. 40 years to figure out what God wanted them to be as a people. Each of these stories is the same. Ezekiel, the people have to go into exile for 100 years. God's with them, but they have to go into exile and do hard work to figure it out. The same is true for Zephaniah. They get to go home to Israel and guess what? It takes them 300 years to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And God bless Abraham. The part we don't ever talk about. He offers to sacrifice his son. They are given a ram. And the next scene, the next scene is the death of Sarah whose heart breaks because her husband tried to kill her son and their family is shattered. There are before and after moments, but truly terrifying thing is now we have to do all this work on the other side if we're honest about our faith if we're honest about what easter means it's now we have work to do people get confused they say oh i'm so glad easter is finally here i can have chocolate and a beer thank you lord Lent is over and that's sort of true but here's the thing easter is not the end of lent Good Friday is the end of Lent. Easter is the beginning of a whole new season. It is not one day. It is 50 days. It is not one moment. It is the rest of eternity. Easter is the season in which God says you can do anything and you have to go do anything. You must reimagine this world, not in your terms, but in God's terms. You have to begin to think of all that can be done because that is what God has given us. Everything. They were afraid. I don't know if on that first Easter they were afraid because they realized all of this. But if we're honest now some 2,000 years later, we probably should have a little dose of fear. Because while we celebrate that God loves us and redeems us this night, God gives us everything on this night. We should also be a little afraid because now God is also saying, go do something with it. You've been given life after life after life. You've been given a new hope, a new chance. Celebrate it and do something. Go and craft God's kingdom after God's image. It is not we're done. It is the beginning. It is not the end. It is new life and new hope. Tonight, we celebrate a God who gives us life anew. Now we have to go and celebrate it but more importantly we have to do something with that gift for the next 50 days for the rest of our lives God calls us into service God celebrates with us and says I'll meet you in Galilee let us go out and celebrate God our risen Lord for hallelujah Christ is risen the Lord is risen indeed, hallelujah, amen.